politics and dystopia. Ladies, gents, and everything in between. Listen to Atopsin. I'd rather fuck a blood relative. Ladies and gents, welcome back to Aid Thompson and other disappointments. God, it feels like feels like a bit off for fucking ages. I only I only held back for a week, was it? Just over a week. I feel like oddly refreshed and renewed here, though. I mean, it could be the coffee. Could be that. Um, could be that the missus is away for a week as well. <laughs> could be that playing some sort of part in this. Like, do you ever get that? Do you ever get like where, where your girlfriend or your wife, uh, or or your husband? You know, could be true if you reverse the genders too. I'm sure. But do you ever get it where your partner goes away for a week, but it feels like a holiday to you as well? Like, like I love my girlfriend. Like she's the mother of my children. She's lovely. We live together, and it's great and good, and all of the other words people say when they're trying to convince their listeners that they're not being hugely disrespectful to their other half but but i do like i love her to bits she's great but also <laughs> it is nice to get to get a break from each other sometimes you know and when she goes away for a week with her mate with her bff i don't know like i i have to say like it has felt like a mini holiday for me over here as well I mean, that is probably more indicative of, of how, you know, full on it gets when you're together and you got kids and you're living in each other's pockets. And so, you know, like rarely do you get a night off with the near total absence of family support, you know, of people to step in and go, oh, hey, guys, I thought you might like an, you know, get a, a night or a weekend to get away together, you know, to a to a B&B. And just enjoy being a couple again. You know, that is just fantasy for us. We don't, we just don't get that. So the next best thing is like, you know, well, you have a week off, love. You know, I'll hold back here with the kids. Or reciprocally, you know, where she she agrees to look after the kids on a weekend. So I can then I go and watch a Nirvana covers band in Camden. Or whatever. Anyway, look, I guess I guess what I'm saying is I feel a bit better this week for having had a sort of slightly warped week off. Um, but also, you know, I, I may as well get into this. I, you know, sort of can't be bothered keeping my cards close to my chest. Um, uh, well, you know, we'll get onto the news and, and everything else in a second. But like, let me just clarify why I've not been posting episodes of the podcast for the last uh, week or or 10 days or whatever it's been um so I, I don't know how many of you listen to this because you found me organically you know maybe i just popped up on the apple podcast recommendations or maybe you saw one tweet like one time but you don't see all of my tiktok or twitter stuff so you, you might not be aware but i've had this voice crack thing for about three months now and uh and it's sort of played on my mind but i haven't I haven't paid it too much attention i've just been like oh it's kind of weird that my voice has cracked it's got a bit shriller at times and then at other times it'll go super deep like real like uh bass 
to it. Barry White syndrome. Um, and anyway, I was, you know, I, ha- I haven't paid it too much mind, as it were. Uh, but I was playing with my kids the other week and I laughed while we were messing around down by this lake near to us. And, and it kind of did it again, you know, like it's, it's sort of um, like the way that I describe it is like, like imagine the audio of your voice box, right? Imagine the audio, like a sort of a sound wave. Imagine it as a, as a spectrum, right? And, and down here, here, down the bottom is, is where you've got the bass of your voice, right? And then up here is where you've got the treble, okay? Like, so bass and treble, and, and it's spread fairly evenly for most people. That's just the sound of your voice. All of these different frequencies work together, right? And so this voice crack thing, I don't know when it happened, but at some point it began to feel like someone had taken a chunk out of the middle of that sound wave, you know? And so now if my voice tries to use that part of it, like that pitch or tone where that bit used to be, it sort of trips out and it goes straight to the high bit. So like when I laugh, it sounds really scratchy now, to me at least. And so anyway, like, like I'll try and keep this brief because honestly, it's really not that interesting. But basically, it you know, it dawned on me that this has been like this now for about three months, you know, maybe longer. And so I did that thing that you're never supposed to do, you know, <laughs> like where you Google your symptoms. And, you know, it always ends up somewhere really fucking bad, <laughs> like. It's never like, oh, yeah, these are my symptoms. Oh, okay. Yeah, well, apparently it's going to wear off in like two days. You know, it's never good news when you Google your symptoms. Um, and anyway, it, it said, you know, voice crack over here. And then I scanned down a bit and it was like laryngitis over there. And then it was like, well, what happens if the laryngitis doesn't go away after two weeks? And it was like, well, then it could be chronic laryngitis. And, you know, then I scan a bit further down. It's like, well, what if that doesn't go away? And then boom, there it was laryngeal throat cancer so i'm like yeah party time now we're talking so then like having the mentality that i do being so sort of you know undiagnosed adhd about it i then of course start spiraling just obsessing over it and i you know i booked an appointment with the gp and then there's blood tests and now i've got this exam with a consultant next week and uh and, and the fucked up thing is like it's been two weeks or so now and i still have no information whatsoever about it about what it could be about what the test results showed like i'm sort of thinking by this point from the conversations that I've had with my doctor, that it's probably not throat cancer, right? Like I'm low risk for that. I don't have a lump anywhere. I haven't like woken up in the night with night sweats or anything, which is apparently a symptom of it. Um, you know, I don't smoke. Uh, like everyone that I've spoken to so far seems to think I've just you know blasted my voice box out because I spend so much time doing podcasts and stand up and the punk politics videos, which are basically stand up again. And I, you know, I speak quite, I project when I talk, right? But it's just this feeling like in the back of my mind, it's just like this thing hasn't fucking gone away. If 
for like three months, like what the fuck has happened here? And it's so visceral to me because we have a good friend close to us. And like when we first moved here, uh, my son went to the same school as this uh, this lady, this couple around the corner, her son. And we met her husband. And it's a fucking horror story. Like, I don't know if I've ever talked about this before. I really don't think I have. But um, he was one of these stories that was like, you know, he felt something was wrong with him. And he went to the doctors and they were like, oh, he can't find anything. And they did loads of tests and nothing came back. And, and then he got better. And he was like, oh, that was weird. Must have been some sort of long drawn out fever. And then he deteriorated again. Not long after we met him. Like he was okay for a bit. And he started deteriorating again and they they took him back into hospital and they were like, okay, well, we're going to take a look inside. So they they opened him up and he was just fucking infested with cancer. And uh, he was dead three months later, just game over. And now, you know, he's left behind his his wife, his widow, and we know her really well now. And she's got these two boys and it's just, it's such a fucking sad story. And so obviously, I, I suppose what I'm saying really by bringing that up is that it's it's so visceral for me. It's so real that it could be as bad as that, that when something like this comes up, it really does resonate with me in a way that maybe it wouldn't with other people. Do you know what I mean? And so anyway, look, um, they, they'll end up scanning me or something and, and uh, you know, running a load of tests and giving me results to the bloods and and all that stuff and they'll probably end up bollocking me they'll probably be like you fucking idiot mr thompson you know there's actual sick people here desperate for one of these scans and you took up a blood test a tube camera a private consultant examination and, and for what be because your voice sounded a bit funny the fuck is wrong with you so yeah like i'm fully prepared to be bollocked like that by my gp but it's just that you know as i say this thing hasn't gone away or at least it hadn't got better hadn't in three months and i just kept you know looking at my kids and and thinking about how you know if it were the worst case scenario uh that i wouldn't be here for them you know and uh i couldn't walk my daughter down the aisle and you know the advice that i wouldn't be able to give them and what sort of state i would leave my girlfriend in and what our finance you know i was just i was thinking about the worst possible outcome and it just really fucking got to me i was like i just need to check out of like beer and straining my voice and all the rest of it um and then talk to a gp and you know take care of myself uh for for a week or two while i sort of work out whatever this is so that is all in progress and you know what <laughs> Because I haven't been doing this for a bit. Because I've been holding off on the beer. Not because I think, you know, the beer is trashing my voice box or anything. But just because, you know, I'm, as I understand it, it could be a factor. Alcohol and, and so on. Um, but, like, because I've been holding back on the beer and, and so on. Um, I've noticed that there's, like, everything's, like, a little bit less scratchy. You know? And there is that, like, the treble is coming back. And it, I mean, it's not fully there, but it does feel like things are moving in the right direction. So I don't know. That's, that's, that's where I've been anyway, just in case you were wondering.
I don't want to spend the whole episode going on about my fucking health problems anyway, for fuck's sake. You know, like, I'll end up with a podcast that's just like, you know, listening to your uncle's blood pressure and back problems or some shit for fucking 45 minutes. Who wants that? So let's get into this, shall we? Uh, what's been going on in the world? What's been happening in the last 10 days? Um, any, uh, any earth-shaking events take place in the last couple of weeks? Anyone think of any big news stories that have shifted the tectonic plates of what we all thought was the world status quo? No? <laughs> yes? Oh, oh, yes, of course. Of course, of course, of course. God, yes. Gigantic story. Really concerning. Um, with, uh, you know, with reverberations going on still all, all the time now. And, um, yeah, basically, while... While I was off, you know, worrying about my voice box, uh, of course, the, the biggest story uh, to emerge quite concerningly, shaking all of us to the core, was the um, uh, the the Jada Pinkett Smith revelation. No, 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 of course not. Uh, it's, uh, it's, it is Rail Gaza. Um, just a just a total fucking mess of a situation, isn't it? Uh, going on out there. And I, I don't want to get too deep into it because, you know, honestly, it's so fucking depressing isn't it? And I, I feel like you guys know what's going on out there. And I, I know what's going on out there. And, you know, anyone who possesses any empathy or, or shame or intelligence, uh, they should know how bloody and unjust and unfair and heartbreaking it all is. To see that all play out in real time is just, um, you know, and, and to hear the stories that are coming out of there is just, oh, um, but this is the thing, like, truly, I would I would like to keep this show a little bit upbeat and, and, like, snarky, if at all possible, for it to be the light in your darkness. And that is just completely impossible with that story, with that subject. There's just no funny in that situation, I don't think. It just brings out the worst in everyone. You know, the protests, the protesters who had hang glider emblems on their jackets at the weekend. And then, and like the response to that by the Daily Mail, who were like, "Why, why didn't the police arrest those girls? They should arrest them and throw them in prison for their offensive emblems. <laughs> why, why didn't they arrest? Because it's an item of clothing, you fucking idiots. And the prisons are full. I don't know if you heard. You understand? Prisons are over capacity right now, and they are seriously talking about not jailing rapists." and violent offenders because there's nowhere to put them. Why, why didn't the police just arrest those girls? Where do you want to put them? Where? Some mythical, magical prison just over the horizon. Just next to the pot of gold at the end of the rainbow. Asylum seekers? Oh, absolutely. We can find somewhere for you. There you go. Two tickets to the Bibby Stockholm. And a complimentary pack of great British Imodium <laughs> on the off chance that you get legionnaires while you're on there. Refugees? Sure, we can find somewhere to put you motherfuckers. But prisoners? Violent prisoners? Well, I'm sorry, lads. There's just, um, there's just no room at the end for you guys. So, uh, so be on your way, I guess. <laughs> you know, and then meanwhile, the mail... I'm like, I don't care where you put them. Just just arrest these bitches. 
for their emblems, their offensive emblems. Their emblems take priority over actual violent offenders. How about that shit? That's how deep the hate runs. Tories would rather they were walking down the high street, <laughs> weaving and dodging bank robberies and violent assaults as long as they don't have to see a brown person wearing a distasteful hang glider drawing on the back of their jacket. They're like, no, that's, that's where I draw the line, I'm afraid. Like, I was saying this on a punk politics video the other day, you know? Like, why is it? Why is it that when the asylum seeker centres are full, then they're like, oh, yeah, no, we can, we can absolutely find uh, £30 million to fund travel lodge bookings and premier inns and floating plague barges? Be, uh, overflow car parks maybe next? But when the prisons are full, they're like, oh, I, I wish there was something I could do. You know, it's just, it's just nothing. I've I, I really thought about it, and it, I, I can't think of any solutions whatsoever. Well, couldn't you put these guys on a barge too? Well, I don't know if that would be. Um, I, don't, I don't think that would be appropriate. I mean, we, we don't have too many barges, so right. But I mean, if there's only one barge, shouldn't you be, you know, prioritizing the public safety? Well, well, well exactly. I mean, we, we don't know where these fake refugees come from, do we? So, so we're protecting the public by keeping them locked up. Well, OK, but given the majority of asylum claims are found to be legit, and given, in theory at least, 100% <laughs> of criminals are actually criminals, don't you think, you know, if you were claiming to pr be protecting the public... You should probably stuff the boat full of convicts first. You know? But there's something in that, isn't there? Like, you want to keep all the asylum seekers on the plague barge on the basis they might be baddies over the legal and scientific certainty that these other people are actually baddies. Like, it's fucking mad. So, so, sorry, Aid. No, I, I do not like... Uh, filthy scrounging asylum seekers that that's all this comes down to and, and, and I, I like being cruel to them that's what it is you know and I, i'll tell you what if letting a few rapists and violent assault types you know robbers and thieves out you know if it let, let them out if that lets me carry on oppressing these poor motherfuckers then that is a price i'm willing to pay you know it's like that that is the exchange the transaction that is going on here Make an orderly line of refugees over here. And yes, and, and then get the robbers, the thieves off the boat now. Thank you. Fucking, you know, Baroness Moan pops her head round the corner. Uh, did, did somebody say thieves on the boat? <laughs> Lol. Okay, anyway. Where were we? So, so just quickly, I, I think, you know, the latest developments uh, with all of this. And as I say, you know, I'm not going to go too deep into... Um, into this because it's, it's just dark but like the latest developments uh on the news this morning were that rishi sunak is planning to fly to israel on thursday so that's uh that's something um and i'm not i'm not entirely sure why why is rishi sunak flying to israel like what the fuck is he gonna do while he's out there <laughs> like why is he going 
to Israel. Like, what? what is he going to offer? How is he going to contribute to this? He's going to touch down with his private plane and he's going to walk out those, you know, drive up truck stairs that they do for aeroplanes and he's going to get chauffeured to the festival site where it all went down and then they're going to wheel him out in front of a podium you know with a little shoebox thing to stand on realistically and then he's gonna he's gonna clear his throat hopefully with no voice crack and he's gonna say this he's gonna say this to all the devastated faces of israel all the brits out there who came to hear him channel their fury their want for revenge, but also for peace. They're going to gather round and Sunak's going to step up to the podium and he's going to clear his throat and he's going to say this. He's going to go. Yeah. Hold your nerve. And then he gets back on his plane and he flies home to the brand new fucking basement swimming pool that he's just had fitted. That is the extent of what he is able to offer here. He's a fucking empathy bin. He doesn't give a fuck. And why does anyone give a fuck about him either? Like what he thinks or what he's going to say, you know? Like having Sunak turn up to a geopolitical crisis right now, that must be like having your terminally ill mother-in-law weigh in on the 2025 family holiday conversation. (laughs) You know, like, like, thanks for your input, Janet. Thank you. Yeah, but maybe you should stick to short-term goals for a bit, you know? Like, Sunak's going to be gone in the next few months. Everyone must know that, right? Why the fuck would you listen to what he's saying? Or what he can or cannot commit to? When there's such a huge likelihood that he'll be turned, like, turfed out before, um, you know, Starmer steps in and decides whether to go ahead with his initiatives or his commitments. Like, if I was... If I was Netanyahu, man, and someone introduced me to Sunak, you know, <laughs> oh yeah, this is the uh, this is the British Prime Minister, Mr. Rishi Sunak. Oh right, yeah, yeah, no, no, nice to meet you, yeah. But like once once the pleasantries were out the way, I think I'd be like, listen, I'm sure you're a lovely bloke, I'm sure you are, but I just don't see the point of making friends with someone. In their notice period, you know, like it's like it's like going for coffee breaks and Thursday night city drinks with fucking Ron from sales, you know, but you know that he's leaving in eight weeks. Like, why would you bother? I'm going to make a temporary friend. Oh, fucking amazing. So that's the latest on that one. Um... And, of course, we have James Cleverly, Foreign Secretary, standing shoulder to shoulder with Israel, unequivocally behind Israel. Uh, They've got a right to defend themselves and all that. So that's nice. We're standing shoulder to shoulder with Israel, says Cleverly. Uh, Nice little luxury for Cleverly there, if I do say so, to be able to stand on the world stage and pretend he's a nice man. For five minutes. A nice luxury that we're all going to have to pay the balance on at some point. And by that I mean, (laughs) by standing shoulder to shoulder with Israel while they indiscriminately bomb hospitals, 
and schools and level Gaza and, you know, by putting us all in the frame with it, you're making us a target for future terrorists. So thank you very much for that. You know, right, right now, this is, this is, I know it's getting dark, but let's just, let me just get this out. Right now, imagine this, right? There is a 15-year-old girl somewhere in Croydon or Portsmouth or Manchester or so, you know, wherever. There's a 15-year-old girl right now here on the 18th of October, 2023. And she's just going about her day. She's just dreaming of working in fashion, studying, drawing, and she's got her whole life ahead of her. Her family love her and her mates and she, are, like they're always talking about what their lives are going to be like at university and then the internships that will follow afterwards and, and so on, right? And neither she nor her family or any of her friends have any idea that in five years' time, all of that will come to an end because some Islamist terror cell all radicalised by being starved and seeing their family members die in front of them now, this week. they Someone in that little sect or family or extended family is going to drive a van full of explosives into her tube station and blow her to pieces. Like, it's weird to think that, isn't it? Like, right now, that person or those people are all still alive. And it doesn't have to be that way. But our political grandstanding, our arrogance as a geopolitical entity is basically putting us in a future position where something like that will almost certainly happen. And I'm sure, like, you know, then again, we'll have story after story pretending these people were just, you know, what, fucking feeble-minded or easily led and they were radicalised by a hook-handed guy in a dodgy mosque, you know, rather than the uncomfortable truth. In this instance, you know, I mean, look, I'm, I'm sure that some of that easily led hook-handed stuff has happened you know i'm <laughs> i'm not discounted that that sort of stuff can take place but in this instance it will basically boil down to the fact that we looked the other way we celebrated israel in their state-sponsored murder and displacement and starvation and so on while their siblings and children died god it's also dark isn't it see this is this is why i didn't want to get into this let's try and keep it light Let's try and move on. Uh, you know, you've got to try and keep these shows light. you got to... Because the joyless, depressive, hopeless mind state is precisely the sort of mindset that the conservatives want us to stay in, isn't it? It's like, you know, things can't be better, so you may as well stick with us, you fucking pleps. Like, that is basically their go-to market campaign now, I feel. Oh, Labour say that they're going to build 300,000 houses. Well, that, that's what we said. So you may as well stick with us. Yeah, but the difference is, mate, they might actually try and do it. How about that? You may as well stick with us, you fucking idiots. <laughs>
I know, I know we bang on about how this is the greatest country in the world and everything, but, uh, but, but also, miraculously, no, things couldn't possibly better. This is the best that we could do. But I, I thought that you said that we were the best. Uh, we are. We're, we're the greatest country in the world. Right, okay, so, so why can't we have cheap rail and schools that aren't crumbly? We, 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 we can never have that. We're just too shit. Right, okay. It's that great Tory paradox. Just accept it, guys. Things are shit. Joy is dead. Hope is gone. And you know that's their whole thing, by the way. And I'll tell you why. Because something as harmless as laughing gas is about to be criminalised as of 8th of November. Like, absolutely no joy is permitted anymore. No laughing. <laughs> but but it's harmless. I mean, it's, it's literally just joy. I, I don't give a fuck. Get rid of it. Ban it. Two years in jail. <laughs> if, if you can find a place. Like, they're such fucking sociopaths, aren't they? That if they're within a 500 metre radius of any sort of positive emotion, <laughs> they break out in hives like fucking Damien at Guildford Cathedral. What else is going on out there? What else is in the news at the moment? What else has been dragged kicking and screaming into my political and journalistic periphery? Uh, Greg Hands a friend of the podcast, or if not the podcast, the uh, the punk politics videos, Greg Bloody Hands. What a gem that guy is. Just the most lowbrow, base-level, Brit-flick portrayal of a game show host you could ever imagine. Like, if, if someone was casting a cheesy game show host, you know, in a low-budget Danny Dyer thing... You know, like they blew all the actual budget getting one of the periphery cast members from Lockstock to agree to, to be in it, to say like three lines in it. That's it. They've blown all the money on that. Now all they've got left is just, you know, local Amdram types to audition to play all of the other roles. And there's a scene where, I don't know, Channel 5 of the 1990s is doing a game show. Greg Hands would be a shoo-in for that. The only reason he wouldn't get that role would be if he was worried that he was going to be typecast. <laughs> it's literally the only reason. Or, or, you know, if he was, you know, too busy to be on set, too busy running around showing people his note, his stupid fucking note that he posts every day and brings to speeches. Anyway, look, CCHQ's Greg Hans is... uh. He's head of political campaigning for the Conservatives, uh, at least for the moment. I can't see him lasting much longer. I'm going to be real with you. <laughs> because, because look at the polls, man. I mean, I know that the Tories are shit at grading whether metrics are a success or, you know, not... Like, when it's something that doesn't affect them, then they don't really give a fuck about metrics, right? They, then they'll say stuff like... um. We aim to create create 5,000 more hospital beds. And then they somehow end up, you know, fucking up and reducing the number by 3,000. And there's, then they're like, oh, well, it could have been worse. Would it would have been worse under Labour. Keep up that lip. And it, we'll, you know, we'll, we'll put you on the plague barge, you filthy, soot-gargling poffer. Like, that's usually how they handle metrics. Um, but when the metrics suggest it's something that does affect them, like Greg Hands. Like the stats for Greg 
fucking hands. Like, I don't know. I would assume that they would take action. Like, this is a guy who, who, so he's currently responsible for CCHQ, for conservative campaigning, right? And this is a guy who oversaw the mayoral campaign of Sean Bailey, who failed to get elected in London, the London mayor, right? That was Greg Hans's campaign. Or also, who since becoming conservative chair and looking after CCHQ, he took that job in January of this year. So since then, I looked at it earlier, Sunak's popularity, his rating, his favorability has collapsed by 50%. So fucking great job, Greg. Great job, Greg. Have a cookie. What else has happened in Greg Hans's tenure? as head of conservative campaigning. He's seen absolutely no improvement on the voting intention poll whatsoever. <laughs> so for all of his initiatives, all of his note printing and his Keir Starmer flip-flops and his god-awful speech, all of that shit. Not to mention the fake newspapers that were rolled out around the southeast, pretending to be real newspapers so that they could funnel out their propaganda all of that stuff, all of these different tactics and strategies, all of it has amounted to fuck all. Great job, Greg. Like in what? In what fucked up political world do you have to live in to look at the performance of this guy and go, yep, steady as she goes, Greg. Keep, keep on doing what you're doing there, lads. Anyway, Greg Hatt. Uh... In, in another fantastic return to form for the guy, uh, his, an internal memo by Greg, Greg Hans appears to have leaked out, <coughs> or from his office, at least. Uh, this was on Sky News this morning. <coughs> Excuse me. Uh, it says, leaked Tory memo predicts double by-election defeat, blaming enormous discontent on Nadine Dorries. Whoa! Poor Nats! She's going to cop the blame for this, is she? Christ. So this is, you know, in essence, it's a story about two by-elections, right? Which you may or may not have been aware are taking place this week. There's Tamworth and then there's Mid-Beds. Uh, Tamworth was Chris Pincher, who was forced to resign in shame for allegations or, or in, in conjunction with the allegations that he had sexually assaulted somebody. Uh, and then Boris Johnson kind of knew about it. And that's what did for Boris Johnson. Uh, and then Nadine Dorries was forced to resign after she kind of, she said she was resigning. Right. And then she refused to resign or, or something. Um, so it's a story about two by-elections. And Tamworth, which was previously a Tory stronghold with a 20% swing, is now polling neck and neck with Labour. That's Tamworth. And then mid-Bedfordshire... Dory's constituency is, I, th I think that's a bit more comfortable for them. Anyway, look, this memo, I'll read out a bit of it. I'll take a look at it with you. Here we go. It says, and this has been leaked from Greg Hans's office in CCHQ. It says, the vote share for the Conservatives could halve to around 30%. And that the delay in Nadine Dory's actually resigning has caused enormous discontent. Right. Which, if, if we just spool back a little bit, right? So you remember she threw a tantrum because she was named in Johnson's honours list 
But the uh, protocol for that is that you have to resign from being an MP first. So she panicked and resigned, but then she was nuked from the list on technicalities or something. I, don't, I can't really remember now. But uh, anyway, the, the end game of it was that she couldn't ascend to the Lords, right? I think I'm remembering that right. And so then it was like, well, I'm not just resigning for nothing. So she just clung on. Not speaking in Parliament, not representing her constituents, not really functioning as an MP, but still pull it, pulling that salary down. Got to keep bringing in that precious loot. And so anyway, that has caused some friction, apparently, between the Conservative Party and their faithful voters. And it says, like, here's some context to it for you. Here's, here's the numbers. Here comes the science bit. Uh, they said they think they'll get about 30% vote share with Labour about eight points behind. So they may cling on to the seat. That's for mid-Bedfordshire. In Tamworth, which they're also projected to maybe just about cling on to neck and neck, the memo suggests that they're incredibly nervy about both. I mean, look, if they do cling on to either or both of them. Prepare yourselves, dear listeners, for an absolute shit cloud of nonsense about it being some barnstorming victory. God, it's going to be insufferable. It's going to be stuff like, yeah, voters have roundly rejected Labour's extreme green agenda. You know, like just like they did in Uxbridge. While the rest of us with an IQ above 17 will be like, oh, I mean, it's it's a Tory safe seat. Right. And you and you barely clung on to it. Like, what the fuck are you talking about? Voters have roundly rejected Labour's extreme green woke agenda. Get the fuck out of my face with that nonsense. Anyway, so here's where it gets juicy, guys, because Sky are saying Sky News are saying that this memo that's leaked out from Greg Hans's office, it says the memo also suggests the party is preparing to blame Ms. Dorries and Mr. Pincher personally in the event they lose either seat. <laughs> like, like, I know I've said this before, but it is like it's amazing how quickly they go like sociopathic on each other, like rats in a sack, isn't it? Like it's always someone else's fault. They never back each other up when it turns out that that relationship could be detrimental. There's no honour among thieves. You know, it's not voters staying home because they can't be asked to support your corrupt, lying party and your failing campaign strategy, Greg. Great job, Greg. It's just this, you know, abysmal campaign genius that you've got leading both campaigns. I mean, it could be that, couldn't it? Do we think? But no, 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 no. It must, it must just be coincidentally the personal, highly coincidental nature of candidates or legacy MPs they're just the source of the discontent, aren't they? They're just ad hoc, random occurrences. It must be that. It's like shifting the blame, you know, to the candidate themselves, to the MP themselves, and then ostracising them. Just this brutal rejection of people you probably sat and had lunch with in the Carlton Club or in the parliamentary restaurant. It's just fucking brutal, isn't it? These people are disgusting. So, yeah. Uh, the memo also suggests the party is preparing to blame Ms. Dorries and Mr. Pincher personally in the event they lose either seat. It goes on. Uh, the memo says, we've always known the cause of these by-elections. 
i.e. MPs associated with our party's challenges last year. They mean Partygate and lying to Parliament and lying about sex offenders and, and the rest of it. Anyway, party's challenges last year. And these MPs standing down who are personally associated with negative news stories. that We've always known that they would hinder our performance, it says, as was the case in Selby and Somerton and Frome. The data and doorstep feedback proves this to be the case. It says uh, many former Conservative voters say they like the current, the new candidate, once they find out about his record as police and crime commissioner and his determination to do an effective job, job as their local MP. Many voters still raise Nadine Dorries and her record on the doorstep, though, unprompted. Interesting as was found to be the case in the post-election research carried out after the Selby by-election regarding Nigel Adams. Many voters clearly associate Nadine Dorries and Chris Pincher with the party's difficulties last year. Like they're tainted, basically. And here's the thing, right? You know, I, I don't want to labour the point. But here's the thing, right? If it's this MP that's the problem, and then that MP, who's also a problem. And then, I don't know, Peter Bone, <laughs> who's now suspended for allegedly throwing his dick around, <laughs> by all accounts. Whatever it is, some, some sort of sexual, like, expose thing is what he's alleged to be. I'm sure he denies the allegations. Quickly, quickly throw that in there. End up coming out of my consultation cancer-free, but having lost my house. So I want to avoid that. Um... No point swapping one sad story for another one, is there? Uh, it's not the party that's the problem, is it, guys? It's not the party that's the problem. It's just Peter Bone that's done it. It's just Nadine Dorries who's done that. It's, it's not the party that's the problem. It's David Warburton taking pictures of himself with a suspicious white powder and being accused of climbing into bed with a 20-year-old intern or whatever the fuck that was. It's not the party that's the problem. It's the... Tractor porn guy just, you know, sat there. This is a bad apple in the Houses of Parliament, House of Commons row, just sat there watching tractor porn. It's not the branding. They're fine with the branding, guys. With the blue, with the name Conservative Party. Honestly, it's not the party that's the problem here, Greg. It's just that Hancock dispatched COVID to their parents' care home like the shit was fucking Uber Eats and half of the residents snuffed it. But it's not the party. This depressed just a few bad apples, Greg. Like at what point? What was it? What would it take for these voters, or for the great campaigning genius that is Greg Hands, to go? Hang on a second. <laughs> Hang on, brainwave guys. Just bear with me while I try to articulate this. Hang on. If we take all these people, these MPs and dodgy candidates, I don't know if you guys saw. There's a the story that broke late last night, I think, this morning, like the one of the guys, one of the candidates for one of these by-elections, there's like a picture of a diagram where he's, it's like a sort of flow chart where he's telling poor people who can't afford to feed their children to fuck off. That's so, that's, here's another one, right? Anyway, what would it take for Greg Hans to go, hang on a second, if we take all these people, these MPs, these candidates and various, you know, conduits for shame that we keep putting into these jobs... What if we just panned out and, oh, oh, my God, it actually is the party. That is the party. But they would never do that. 
That would require way too much introspection and sort of, you know, macro visibility and self-awareness. Wouldn't it be way too depressing, too crushing for them to have to actually look at themselves in that way? Way, way too depressing for you, Greg. But I mean, you know, things are already looking a bit bleak, aren't they? So, um, you know, the economy's in the toilet, problems in the Middle East, cost of living crisis, NHS collapsing, pension deficit. You know, things are already looking somewhat dark. So why not at least consider it while knocking back a few of these laughing gas canisters? Do it while you still can, Greg, before you make them illegal in a fortnight, you mad bastard. Guys, that's it. Uh, I'll be back this Friday night for the guest show, if I can find a guest. Um, but if start sending out messages in the various chat groups that I'm in. Uh, do check out the Punk Politics videos on YouTube if you get a second. Massive love to the Patreons. Uh, all, all of my tiers. My £3 tiers. My £5 tiers. And indeed my £10 tiers. My God tiers. Um, if you are keen on joining the Patreon, it's at patreon.com forward slash aid Thompson with an I-N on the end. You get access to the Discord chat. Uh, I'm in there most days. Um, we talk shit about politics. We talk about upcoming events. Uh, we share political memes, all of that stuff. Um, I also put a, uh, a link to any like upcoming shows. I give uh, uh, sort of a heads up to the Patreons uh, for those tickets before anyone else so that uh, if it sells out, then they've got first dibs. Um, I also do London meetups, London-based meetups. So if you are in or around the home counties uh, and you fancy coming along, uh, we usually meet up somewhere near Brick Lane, have a few drinks, talk politics, have a bit of a laugh. Um, what else is there? Oh, yeah, no, you get an RSS feed. So you could get episodes of the podcast two days before everybody else, before the mere heathens of Spotify and Apple Podcast. Um, that's it from me. I'm going to have to go. Thank you so much for listening. I will be back on Friday night. Until then, I'm out of here like a mofo. Yeah.